Uh, last week we got to have some fun, got to talk about some stuff that it's a big deal in scripture, but sometimes is somewhat controversial. And so I was like, hey, you know, before we even get into what we have to say tonight, why not just jump right back into that? Because it's so much fun. Around my junior year of college, in fact, right before my junior year of college, the summer right before my junior year of college, I had like a, a revelation. I had, it was, it was the best summer of my life. I don't, I don't ever think I'll ever have a better summer than that summer. And during that summer, I, one thing that was great about it is I made a resolution. I had this uh, radical conviction and it, yeah, it, it was really cool because my life has been kind of different ever since. That revelation was from a man named Gandhi. Y'all know who Gandhi is, some of y'all? Yeah, Gandhi was really cool. I really like Gandhi. I'm a big fan of him. But it was specifically with a conversation between E. Stanley Jones. Some of y'all have heard us quote him before, and some of y'all have read his book, Christ of the Indian Road. Methodist missionary, like, died like 50 years ago, but dude was, a, dude was a beast. And he hung out with Gandhi. They were really good friends. And they're having this conversation one time, you know, just chilling, ch- relaxing, you know, talking about stuff. And then E. Stanley takes it deep real fast, and he's like, hey, let me ask you this question, Gandhi. Gandhi's like, what's up? He didn't say that, but it's something like that. And then he's like, what would it take for Christianity to become the most important religion in all of India? And Gandhi, in this very serious way, leans back and kind of looks off and like gravely almost. He says, well, and Gandhi's a Hindu, by the way, when he's saying this. This is so cool. He says, the first thing that you need to do is you need to come in the spirit of your master. Don't just preach Christ, look like him. And then the second thing he said was, and then as you do that, also make sure that you bring us the real gospel. Don't soften it up. Don't make it easier to handle. Don't make it pleasing or comfortable. Give us the real gospel. The rough, rugged, hard to hard to handle with its high ideals give us that and we won't be able to resist you so good i made this decision then i was like you know what i don't care what it costs i'm gonna go wherever the bible tells me to go i'm gonna try to go that way and i'm not gonna try to lower it or make it more comfortable or make it more pleasing to me Whatever the, the Bible asks of me, that's where I will go. And I've had my ups and downs, but that has, been, that has been my pursuit, and that is really the pursuit of a lot of us here. Ari Tori said it really well. He said, I don't want to ask the Bible to come down to my experiences. I want to live up to the experiences of the Bible that the Bible challenges me to have. It's not easy. It's tempting to bring the Bible down to our experiences, to make it more convenient and make it more comfortable. But it is our responsibility as Christians to try to live up to the Bible's experiences and not bring the Bible down to what we know is common and normal and what should be done. Catherine Booth, wife and co-founder of the Salvation Army, if you hang out with Charles, you've heard of William Booth. He loves him. I love him. We all love him. They were awesome. She said this. She said this, and it's, 
I think it's the best way to, to, to even to sum it up. She said, I said when I was young and I repeated in my mature years that if it sent me to hell, I would never pull down or lower the standard of the gospel. There is a glorious standard before us for the sake of our children and for the generations yet unborn. Do not let us drag it down and try to make it meet our little paltry circumscribed experience. Let us keep it up. This is the way to get the world to look at it. Show the world the real, living, self-sacrificing, hardworking, toiling, triumphing religion. And the world will be influenced by it. But anything short of that, and they will turn around and spit on it. That's good. It's really good. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump right in. Pray again. Lord God, help us to fight, to live up, and live to the experiences of the Bible. And help us to resist temptation of comfort and convenience to bring it down to what we're used to. Also, Lord God, I ask that you would speak through me. You spoke to Balaam the prophet through a donkey. If you can do that, Lord God, I know you can speak through me. Speak through me tonight. Have mercy on my words. Please help me, Lord. I desperately need your help. Open up our minds to hear, to receive what you have to say to us tonight. And use me, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about real relationship. We have these things, the three reals, the, you know, we call them three R's sometimes. But basically, we, all, we talk about this often. Real relationship, real responsibility, and real devotional life. You know, it's, just, it's a big deal to us. This is, this is what you need. You, the Bible, this is what you need everyone and tonight we're going to talk about real relationship fellowship you could put there you could put community you could put friendship it's all around the same idea friendship you know two people or yeah two people who have some kind of mutual attraction to one another that's not based on sex and it's not based on family but it's like it's it's an attraction not based on these things and community and fellowship is just a larger picture of that and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. This is really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this because there's people who like Christopher and, and Charles, they're like the masters of this. You know, they, they, these guys mastered it 2,000 years ago. And it's just, you know, usually I'm just ashamed when I watch them. But for me, this is something where it's really been a struggle. And so I'm hoping to come, from, come at it from a totally different angle tonight. And hopefully it's a benefit to some of you tonight. Friendship is really interesting because, you know, today, friendship is different than it was 15, 20 years ago. For me, 20 years ago, for y'all, you know, it's like 10 years ago. I'm old. But, you know, when you're a kid, you know, friendship looks a whole lot different. It's because of where you lived, your age. These things defined your friends, you know. Today, it, we kind of get to pick our friends. I had a friend. His name was Michael. We, it was really cool. We lived in the same apartment complex, so, you know, you got the location check. And then we, you know, we both thought girls, were, girls had cooties, so we had the cootie code. And so that, there was a check there, you know, we had an understanding with that. And we're both around the same age, 
age check. We both like to steal things, you know, steal basketball cards from Walmart and, you know, steal candy from the convenience store. And so we had the thieves code, you know, and so there's a check there. And, you know, hey, it's BC days. You got you to gotta, you gotta have grace. Come on, it's like, it's like what, Planet Fitness, Judgment Free Zone, you know? I was, I was 10. Well, but when I got to college, I had like real friends. And one friend in particular, his name was Alex Rodriguez. Some of y'all got to know who Alex is, you know, some of you oldlings. Some of y'all have been here for a couple of years. Y'all got to meet Alex. Alex is awesome. You know, he's out, he lives out in New Mexico. But um, Alex was really cool. So I was in this thing called Resource. I, I, I became a small group leader my sophomore year. And if you're a small group leader, you have a basically a small group for small group leaders, and that's called resource. And so we're in resource. It's like the f- five weeks into the school year. I've, n- I've never really met this dude except, you know, we said hi the first resource, and then we never talked again. Well, one day after resource was over, he, like, came and sat next to the leader. And while everybody else was leaving, I was watching this, you know. Uh, they're sitting on the couch, and I'm just kind of listening in kind of creepily. And Alex just starts going question after question about prayer and about this book that he's reading by Watching Me called Let Us Pray. And I'm just like, man, this is awesome. He was like, it was so cool to me. It was like immediate bromance, you know. Sorry if that makes some of you all feel uncomfortable. But this dude was so cool to me, so cool. Here I am looking at this dude, and I'm just like, I have never seen someone not, motivi- not motivated by their parents, not because they're a small group leader or somebody else told them to come and do this. This guy was hungry to learn about prayer and to see his prayer life grow. Look, the secret to prayer is praying in secret. If you're serious about prayer, you're not serious about trying to impress people because most of the prayer happens with people not being around so I'm like this dude is serious and it was the coolest thing ever to me it was just I don't know what it was it's like David and Jonathan David after David beat Goliath Jonathan was there and he was like it's it's it says in first uh, Samuel 18 that he knit his soul his heart to David and that he loved him as he loved his own soul and that was that I remember that day I said wherever this man goes I want to go with him however far he goes with God I want to go there with him we became besties immediately. I, it, it, I don't know. I can't explain how it happened. It's just from that moment on, we were best friends. Funny thing, though, is friendship, relationships, and like friendship, community, fellowship. This is a big deal in the Bible, but it's not necessarily a big deal in our culture. You know, if you look at science, science will tell you that, oh, yeah, friendship is the the one love that you have that isn't needed. You know, I keep talking about giving books away, and here I go yet again, not giving a book away. The Four Loves is a great book to talk about this. C.S. Lewis, I'm actually quoted later on. It's a great book. I should just have one and just throw it out. I actually looked for it, but I didn't have one. And so, you know, I didn't get it in time. But The Four Loves talks about the other kinds of loves, the maternal love. Science says that this maternal love, the love of a mother to a child, is needed because well, all babies would die if they didn't have a mother's love or at least have some paternal type of love. A baby born cannot live on its own. It will die. And then science also says that sex is needed in the world. Hey, sex is a great thing. Science backs that up. The Bible backs that up. 
But, you know, sex is, is great in certain contexts. But anyways, you know, thinking about sex, science says that sex is needed because procreation wouldn't happen in the world if there was no sex. We need sex. Science also says that civil love is needed where we need to be civil towards one another. If you're not civil towards someone, then that means you could just throw an axe at them and say, hey, I'm going to take all your stuff. And then they can't do anything about it. And you took all their stuff. And then that's the way the world works. That'd be chaos. Science is a society can't function with that. But science does say that a society can function without friendship and fellowship. I disagree. Some of y'all are looking at me like, ah, yeah, kind of, I guess. Y'all know y'all see this. Like, think about, okay, when you go in the grocery store, when you walk through, like, and you see the magazines on both sides, and it's like, hey, you know, Cosmopolitan and Inqui- the Enquirer and, and all this stuff, what do you see? What does it say? Does it say who's best friends with who? No, it says who's sleeping with who. That's what people want to hear about. It's like that, that's what's all that's always what's being talked about. Like, go think about the last movie that you saw that there was no romance in it. Like someone did not fall in love with someone else. The few movies that I can think of that are highly based on fellowship uh, or, or TV shows too. Stranger Things. Oh, what a fun show. Stranger Things. That is mostly about fellowship, but. They couldn't keep out the romance. Had to squeeze it in a little bit. Goonies. That's close. Had to squeeze in a little bit of a relationship action in there. What are the movies we have? Star Wars. Sandlot 1. Okay, first of all, there's only one Sandlot. Okay. And second of all, y'all are right. Sandlot may be the only movie that does that. The one movie that was supposed to be Bambi, come on. <laughs> it's not a movie. Look, if you can bring his mother back to life, then it's a real movie. But if you can't do that, it doesn't exist. Sorry, the wound is still, it's still tender. <laughs> but, 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 but Star Wars, like, I have all these movies. Romance has to be in there somewhere. Even Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings was supposed to be totally about fellowship. And it's not. Because they had to bring it in. They had to take the stuff out of the appendices and put it in the center and put romance smack dab in the middle of the story. But the Bible is quite different. The Bible makes it pretty clear that fellowship and friendship are very key. And so Abby is going to come up and she's going to read some scriptures on what the Bible has to say about friendship. And you need this. Mm, you do need that. I actually forgot to give you that. You could use it. All the way, all the way to there. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done better. Sorry, Abby. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says, Don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who easily angered, or one who is easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Proverbs 13:20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. 
Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. John 15, 13 through 15 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have been known to you. In Acts 2, 42-47 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done with the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any one need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thank you, Abby. Mm -hmm. I usually do a better job of that. Sorry to, to forget to send you that stuff. Yes, if you read, as, we, as we've read all these, you see that Proverbs, Jesus, Acts. Actually, I could have said a whole lot from Acts. I just only picked a little bit. And I could have had some stuff of what Paul said about fellowship, but I didn't. The only thing I want to say with all of these scriptures is that friendship is a very big deal. As you read those scriptures and you go back and you see what it says, it says that our destinies are defined and shaped by the friends that we have around us. And that your inability to nurture and have thriving friendships will be harmful to you in the future. It also emphasizes how Community is the heart of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus came and he didn't just die on the cross, but the first thing that he did, the first major thing that he did was he got 12 guys to gather around him and to be his friends. And he spent years with them. That fascinates me. It fascinates me. The hardest thing about friendship and, and community and fellowship, these things existing in the world, the hardest thing about this is, well, it's us. You know, it's selfishness, it's sin, it's forgiving, it's being forgiven. The hardest thing about community actually being able to happen in this world is, is all the things that divide us. You know, I mentioned politics and stuff, and really cool, Abby, super passionate about politics, trying to figure out how to love God through the political realm and how to build his kingdom there. Really cool. Really cool. Who sees what the Lord, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do with her one day. I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do with all of y'all. But I digress. Fellowship, it's the hardest thing about fellowship is us overcoming all the things that divide us but if i'm not mistaken the bible says and i'm not going to use the ephesians verse sean the bible says that we were reconciled to god that he reconciled us to himself in spite of our sins 
And then he calls us to the ministry of reconciliation because of this. That means that in spite of who we were to God, he brought us in with him, into community with him. And he wanted us and him to be together forever. And that is the way that he wants us to treat the world. No matter what's been done to you, no matter how you've been abused, how someone may have taken advantage of you, no matter who lied to you, no matter what's been done, he calls us to be reconcilers with the people around us. Reconcilers, us to them and them to him. I go on and on about that, but I'm not. The only thing I want to say tonight about fellowship is I want to say the three things that fellowship needs in order to survive. And then I want to say right before that, the biggest thing standing in the way of fellowship being able to happen outside of sin in the world. Charles talked about it a little bit last week, uh, two weeks ago. He talked about an independent spirit. This hits me pretty hard, and so I'm excited to talk about this, but at the same time, it's kind of it's difficult. I've always struggled with an independent spirit. I feel like I'm preaching to myself almost. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolation is real, and it's ugly. There, we, we see isolation in one form where some people are like, ah, and y'all have totally heard this, and some of y'all may have said this before. Ah, I don't need church. I don't need community. I got my Bible. I got my Bible. Me and Jesus were cool. That's good enough. I don't, I don't need all that church, organized religion stuff. I'm good. Well, I have a friend named Clive, and he's really good at talking about stuff, so I'm going to let him say something about it. This is what Clive says. Clive Staples Lewis. When I first became a Christian about 14 years ago, I thought that I could do it on my own by retiring to my room and reading theology, and I wouldn't go to the, go to, go to the churches and gospel halls. I disliked very much their hymns, which I considered to be fifth-rate poems set in sixth-rate sixth mu- music. But <laughs> as I went on, I saw a great merit of it. I came up against different people of quite different outlooks and different education. And then gradually, my conceit just began peeling off. I realized that the hymns, which were just sixth rate music, were nevertheless being sung with devotion and a benefit by an old saint in elastic side boots in the opposite pew. And then you realize that you aren't fit to clean those boots. It gets you out of your solitary conceit. Isn't that really good? That's the isolation of refusing to be in community, but there's another isolation, and this one, this one is more personal for me. It's the isolation of isolation within community. I'm an introvert. People who know me well know I'm a huge introvert. Your boy, you could, you could say, Jordan, pick ten, th- 10 things out of your house that you can bring. You'll have food there and a shower, and we're going to put you at the top of a mountain for 10 days. I'd be like, okay. And I'd come back, and I'd love it. And so we'd be like, oh, what about Katie? What about Zoe? What about all your friends? Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be all right. <laughs> I really, I really could, I, I could just live by myself. And I'd be weird. 
but I'd be content and comfortable as well. And the Bible tells me that that's not okay. The Bible does call us to have moments where we are alone, alone with God, alone to ourselves. Hey, introvert, extrovert stuff is real. You know, you recharge alone, you recharge with people. But the Bible doesn't call us to live our lives in isolation. And I've lived a long time in isolation while being in community. You know, recently I had, um, before I say that, just to emphasize how difficult it is to live in community today, y'all don't realize how easy it is to be isolated, even if you're an extrovert, because of things called social media and the internet and Netflix and video games, things that could make the time pass and you not even realize how much time you spent alone not thinking about anything. I'm not coming down hard on these things. I'm coming down hard on isolation. It's not good. It's actually devastating. It is comfortable and it is convenient, but it's not what's best. I like how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, if you don't want your heart broken, give it to nobody, but it will be unbreakable and penetrable and irredeemable. Oh. Recently, I had this thing where, you know, I would relax by playing a video game. It's called FIFA. Soccer game. Loved it. And that's how I relax. That's how I just let off some steam. That's how I retire, you know. And something happened where, you know, Katie brought it up and I was just like, ah, man, I guess maybe this is kind of a big deal to me. Maybe this is what I'm going to to comfort rather than to you, Lord. Maybe I'm isolating myself. All the all the conversations that could be had with friends, all the time that could be had with my family. And I'm over here playing this game, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a thing that I look to for comfort a little too much. Something as little simple as a video game. So I had to, I actually didn't think that when I did this that I would ever talk about this at Chi Alpha, but it just worked out too well for tonight. <laughs> I ended up, you know, having to cut the game in half so that I couldn't go back and, and play it anymore. And so that I couldn't, like, I just, I, I just had, to br- I had to burn the bridge. <laughs> because there are too many, too many opportunities with the people around me. Too many opportunities that I was given up. My first question for everyone tonight is what things in your life are you going to to comfort yourself, bless you, but with no one else around? Where you refresh, but, but you What things, what is it? I'm not saying that everyone has FIFA in their life, but I do ask that question. Some of us like isolation a little too much. It's a little, has too strong of a grip on our lives. We're cheating the people around us because we give ourselves to things that can't even necessarily speak back to us or things that aren't even living. 
what has become everything to you and has driven you to hide in dark corners and to live this life by yourself? Ah, just, just a question for you to ponder. doesn't apply to everyone. Maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. I will say this. As I've been a Christian, the longer I've thought about it and the more I've come to realize this. Christopher pointed this out, and I didn't like it when he said it many years ago, and I realized he's more right than he ever knew. The further you go with Jesus, the more it will affect most of all your free time. It's so interesting. It usually doesn't affect your career as much as you may think. Sometimes it does have drastic effects, like with me, but not all the time. And sometimes it affects other major things like your family, where you live and stuff. But usually the main thing it affects is your free time. If you hide your free time away and say, Lord, this is precious to me. You can have everything else in my life, but I'm going to hold on to this. If you do that, you're going to have some real tension (laughs) with God. And you're always going to be in conflict. And it's going to be a struggle until you let that go. I'll just say, if you want to live, if you want to taste life, give him your free time. And watch him do some stuff in your life that you could have never imagined. Give God your free time. You do what you want with that thought. But the three things, the three things that we need in order to make sure that community actually exists. First of all, we need constant forgiveness. Constant forgiveness. Don't worry, everyone. The, the hardest part of the sermon was what I just said. So we're just, we're just coming back up after this, and I'm coming to a close as well. The th- three things we need. First of all, we need constant forgiveness. Matthew, 20, 18, Matthew, 20, Matthew 18, 21 and 22, Peter said this, asked Jesus this. He said, then Peter came up and he said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do, not say, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times seven. This is so cool. Look, anybody who hangs out with me knows that you need constant forgiveness. Some of y'all know I'm a mess. Look, my brothers, when I got saved, I kid you not. My younger brothers, I was the oldest. Y'all pray for me. I was so mean. I was so mean to my brothers. They're still coming out of it. Those boys were abused and tortured. I will never tell you the stuff I did to him. I was so mean. It was, I kid you not, when I got saved, my younger brother, he said, kid you not, when I came back that summer, he said, Jordan, I know that you've been saved. I was like, what? He's like, yes, whatever happened with you was real. I believe it. I believe it. I know it was legit. I was like, why do you say that? He said, because you were terrible. You were so bad, and you've come back now, and you're a different person. You're all nice to us. We're not afraid to live in the house with you. Like, this is, this is, this is great. And I was like, cool. Was I that bad? He was like, oh, God. Like, he, was, he was so, I was so mean. And look, hey, y'all pray for me. I, I, it's still a struggle. I'm like the rated G version of what I used to be, but I'm still growing in Christ, you know. Some of y'all know. Some Y'all think I'm exaggerating. Look, Taylor Small Group saw it the other day. Like, look. I am the ultimate pest. Charles isn't there with me. We both have a problem. Look, we're sick puppies. You got to pray for us. Like, we will just go and mess with you and mess with you to get under your skin for no apparent reason. And look, you need constant forgiveness if you're going to hang out with us. 
Community needs constant forgiveness. Why? Because I'll be honest, and I know this is the same for Charles. We don't do this with the intent to hurt you. We don't do this with the intent to, 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 to make you feel terrible about yourself, but sometimes it's perceived as that. And then sometimes we do stuff like, you know, we throw a frisbee at someone like Katie Sombrio, and then she gets hit in the face and stuff. And so you've got to forgive there, too, because <laughs> it's, it's unintentional. It's unintentional hurt. But for real, in real community, especially in Christian community, sometimes there's a little bit of hurt that's, like, intentional, but most of the time it's unintentional. We still got to forgive. You cannot live in community if you won't forgive. And it's the, it's, it, it is one of the biggest marks of someone who's had a real life change. If you know you've been forgiven, you can forgive. You can let things go. Another thing, though, constant, this is really cool, common understanding. Community needs common understanding. Loved what Amos had to say about it. Amos 3.3. Three, three. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So profound. Look, if we're going to walk in the same door, if we're going to walk together, we got to agree to walk together for one. We got to both know we're friends. But also, you gotta, you, we have to be going to the same place. We got to be going to the same thing. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. I'm not going to read a quote by him, but he basically talks about how friendship doesn't happen with two people like friends sitting across a table in a coffee shop looking at each other being like, oh, man, I'm so glad we're friends. Like that, that is not friendship. Friendship is like you do stuff together. You hang out together. You're doing something together. It's really cool because, you know, like even thinking about FIFA and the hold that it had on my life, one reason I knew it was a problem was because I, would, I didn't want to play with people. I just wanted to play it by myself. And, you know, when I think about FIFA now, I'm like, well, I wouldn't tell someone I won't play FIFA with them because I'll do it with you. But I don't want to do this by myself anymore. I don't trust myself anymore. But friends, you do stuff together. And just a thought, if you're going to grow with Christ, you have to be in community with other Christians because you need a community that's going to be pushing you to him. You have to have it. This isn't something where you're like, hey, I can, you can only hang out with Christians. It's not like that. But if you don't have Christians that you're in community with, living life with, either Christ is going to go or you're going to go. Like not on a massive scale where you won't talk to anybody that's not a Christian, but like you have to be in community. Honestly, I've just noticed you have to be in community with other Christians just to be able to love people who aren't Christians well too. That's, that's a whole other thing. The last thing you need is you need common unselfishness. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. If you want to be a friend, if you want a friend, you need to be a friend. And I was like, well, I could say a lot of things about this, or I could quote a friend named Kyle. I don't get to read books up here a lot, but why not take an opportunity to read a book that all of y'all should get? These things by our friend Kyle Volkmer. Great book. So simple. Not a book where it takes like 20 hours to read a chapter. This is like you read a chapter in 10 minutes, you know, but then your life has changed forever just from one chapter. Anyways, talks about, he talks about this, common unselfishness. He says, the cost of true unity is that of self-denial. Let every man consider others better than himself. This humility allows the spirit to reveal our hearts 
the great need we have for others. This revelation from the spirit to our hearts bears the fruit of unselfish love towards our brothers and sisters and releases the grip of greed and preservation, self-preservation. A cardinal ethic of Christianity has always been sacrifice. I'm going to say that second to last sentence again. This revelation of sacrifice from this from the spirit to our hearts bears the fruit of unselfish love towards our brothers and sisters and releases the grip of greed and self-preservation. Being in community and letting some things go. My small group leader, how willing he was to spend money on me, to give me rides. He treated me better than I ever saw anyone treat someone who wasn't their family. It was unbelievable, and it changed my life forever, and it modeled to me how to live sacrificially with the people around me. In order for community to survive, we need three things. The band can come back up. I'm done. We need three things. Constant forgiveness, common understanding. We've got to be walking together in the same direction, and we need constant unselfishness. I said it earlier, and I, I, I got to say it again. Ask yourself, don't be too afraid to, to take life and grab it, grab a hold of it. Maybe something means a little too much to you. Maybe that thing needs to go because it drives you to isolate yourself. It drives you to stay outside of community. It, it drives you to not live life with the people around you. We need each other. Jesus said we cannot be healthy in this life and live by ourselves, not loving our brothers. We need one another. And, hey, maybe you do get this community thing a whole lot better than I did. Then you should ask yourself, how can I be a further blessing to the community that I'm in? How can I be more unselfish? How can I be more forgiving and more patient with the people around me? How can I better understand Christ and help people to better understand him so we can walk in relationship with one another on an even greater level? Just some things to think about. I'm going to pray and we'll be done. Or we'll, we'll worship. We'll have some fun worshiping. Lord God, thank you for the community that you've put around us. Help us to, Lord God, I just, oh man, I just pray, Lord God, that I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for the freedom that you've offered me and you've made clear to me through getting rid of some of the things in my life that have been isolating me from my friends. Help me to be a better friend. Help me to love you. I pray that for every person here. Help us, Lord God, to walk away from convenience and to walk away from comfort and to just say yes to community, to say yes to you, to say yes to intimacy with you and with the people around us. Lord, I did this so I could taste life. And I believe you're giving me that. And I'm seeing it. Would you let all of my friends here taste life as well? 
and give them the power by your Holy Spirit to be freed from whatever it is that may be coming everything to them. And help us, Lord God, to be better friends. To be the best friends to the people around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.